Good morning. Today is Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Our parsha begins that Yaakov is returning to Israel after being away for more than 20 to 20 years. And he is about to have this reunion with his brother Esav. Yaakov sends messengers to Esav telling him that I'm coming back, let's meet, and um, looking forward to this uh, reconciliation. But the messengers that he sends to Esav come back and the messengers give the following report. The messengers returned to Yaakov and they said to him, We we met your brother Esav. And he is coming to meet you. So this reconciliation, this, this reunion is going to take place. But he has with him an army of 400 Soldiers, that's a little worrisome. When you go to see your brother, and the last time you saw him 22 years ago, he said he was going to kill you, and now he's coming to meet you, and he's got 400 soldiers with him. Vayira Yaakov ma'od. Yaakov was very, very frightened. Vayetzerlo. And he was distressed. He figured he had to take some strategic measures because maybe this is not going to go so well. So he divided the, the camp that he had, the people and the cattle and the, the camels. He divided everything into two separate groups as a strategy. And he said to himself, If Esav actually comes with aggression and attacks, at least he'll only attack one of the groups. And the other group will be able to survive. So Yaakov divides everything into two to mitigate the potential losses if in fact Esav comes with aggression, with violence. So Yaakov's fear is understandable because, again, Esav had threatened to kill him. He's coming with 400 soldiers. However, our rabbis seek a spiritual reason for Yaakov to be so afraid because, after all, God had promised Yaakov that he would protect Yaakov and his descendants. So if God had promised that he would protect Yaakov, why is Yaakov so afraid? So our rabbis in the Medrash give the following answer. They say, Yaakov was afraid because he lacked a certain spiritual merit that Esau, his brother, had. Yaakov had been living outside of Israel for the previous 20 or so years, while Esav had been living in Israel during that time. Living in Israel is a tremendous mitzvah. It's a tremendous merit. Even to visit Israel is a fantastic merit and a big mitzvah, but to live there is even greater. 
Esav had this merit on his spiritual scale of being a dweller of Israel. Yaakov did not have that merit. So looking at this specific topic, Yaakov felt that he was inadequate compared to Esav, and he was worried maybe God would not find it in his will to protect from Esav at this moment, because Esav had this tremendous merit of living in the land of Israel that Yaakov did not have. The question is, our rabbis portray Yaakov as being totally righteous in so many ways. And they portray Esav as being so wicked in so many ways. So maybe in this one specific area, there's something that Esav has that Yaakov doesn't have. But if you look at their lives, Yaakov is a person of spirituality and closeness to God. And Esav is the opposite to that. How could Yaakov have possibly thought that he was in danger by missing this one merit, looking at their whole lives, there's no question as to who was deserving of God's blessing and protection. So Rabbi Herschel Schachter gives the following answer, and it's something that is very, very important for us to understand and to integrate within our own behavior. And that is, every mitzvah, every good deed that a person does, is precious to God. In God's eyes, a mitzvah is something that is valuable and worthwhile. It is shining. It's a diamond. And a mitzvah that a person does is not diminished by other things that they do that are the opposite of a mitzvah. Each one stands on its own. Esau had this mitzvah, the merit of living in Israel. Yes, there were sins that Esau had committed, but those sins don't take away from the beauty and the value of that mitzvah that he did. So Yaakov was afraid. If looking at that one specific action... Esav would be seen as more holy, and maybe Yaakov would not be deserving of protection. Every action that we do stands on its own by itself. In God's eyes, disconnected in how it's evaluated, disconnected from every other action. A person, no matter how religious or non-religious they consider themselves, should never make the mistake of thinking that spiritual life, Jewish life, is all or nothing. It's not. Yaakov teaches us that each mitzvah stands on its own and it is not diminished by other sins, other actions that we do. The beauty of a mitzvah cannot be dimmed. So Yaakov lacked this mitzvah, 
And Esav had it. And that's why Yaakov was afraid. Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav, the great Hasidic master, makes this point from a different verse and he makes a point as a wider approach to life that we would all be very wise to incorporate. Remember Yaakov's strategy. He decided he's going to divide the camp into two. And this way, if Ace of attacks one, the other camp will be able to escape. Rav Nachman says as follows. When we see in life that it's difficult to find a complete solution to a problem, it makes sense to settle for half a solution in order for there to be at least a machaneh hanish ar lifleta, a remaining camp that can survive. That hope should not be completely lost. In other words, this sense of Yaakov dividing his camp means he recognized it may be necessary, God forbid, if worse comes to worse, that he may have to settle for saving only part of his camp. But it's more worthwhile to save at least part of the camp than to lose everything, God forbid, at once. In other words, Yaakov decided that no matter what happens, he will approach the situation to never despair and to try to save whatever can be saved, to try to achieve whatever can be achieved, even if it's only partial. For example, Rav Nachman says, a person desires to grow in a spiritual way. To, a person wants to study more Torah. A person wants to do mitzvahs. A person wants to pray or to pray more or to pray better. And a person finds difficulty. A person wants to do acts of kindness. A person wants to give more tzedakah. A person wants to speak nicer. To spend more time with their family. But they find it difficult. Rather than simply giving up, a person should try at least for a partial solution. Okay, you can't add an hour a day to your Torah study. Add five minutes. Five minutes is not nothing. You can't spend more time with every single person in your family every day. Okay, make it a point every day to spend an extra few minutes with one person in the family. It's not all or nothing. Yaakov is teaching us this lesson that is so important in our lives. I may not be a tzaddik like Yaakov. I'm nowhere near that. Maybe you are, but I'm not. But Yaakov understood that a little is also good. We need to grab whatever portion we can. And the main thing is to stay connected, 
even if it's only partially. So if I can't achieve the maximum goal that I want to achieve, I shouldn't just give up from trying. I should try in the meanwhile to at least try to achieve a minimal goal. And Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zunnenfeld once said that this is one of just several reasons that we should never be judgmental of others because we don't see people the way God sees them. We see a person and we look at them as a blend of all we know about them. We know they do this right. We know they do this wrong. Of course, what we know is external. We never know what's going on within their heart, of course. But even in terms of what we see, we see a person who's a blend. God doesn't see us that way. God sees greatness and not greatness side by side. But the not greatness does not detract from the greatness that God sees in us. Today, we're about 10 days before Hanukkah. And of course, Hanukkah is an amazing celebration. With God's help, we're going to be able to discuss it together. And there are so many aspects that are important for us to understand. And there are so many lessons from Hanukkah that apply to us all year long. But here's one to start thinking about now, 10 days in advance of the holiday. <coughs> Rabbi Yisachar Friend <coughs> makes the following observation. The Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, had been defiled by the Assyrian Greeks. <clears throat> An idol had been set up there. The temple worship had been halted. And Yehuda Maccabee and his family began this insurrection. They fought back. And finally, they were able to reconquer the Beit HaMikdash. When they came into the courtyard of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, it was total chaos. It was defiled. It was desecrated. Nothing was working. Nothing was in order. What did they do? They found a small jar of oil that was kadosh, that was purified, that was holy. It was only enough for one night. Now, what would I have done? If I had seen that scene, well, I don't know what I would have done, but what a lot of people would do, listen, you see this scene, there's total chaos. The whole thing's got to be cleaned up. The supplies have to be restocked. It's going to take seven days for a new batch of sanctified oil to be produced. So a person would say to themselves, listen, there's enough oil for one night. Of course, this is before the miracle happens. There's enough oil for one night. What's the point of lighting for one night and then to go dark again, to light the menorah and the Beit HaMikdash for one night and then to go dark again? Let's just get it cleaned up. Let's get everything clean. Let's get the supplies we need. Let's start fresh. And in seven days, we'll begin and we'll be able to continue without having to interrupt. If we start now, we're only going to have one day and then we're going to have to stop again. It'll be demoralizing to have to stop after just one day after it's been halted for two and a half years. 
But that's not what they did. What they did was they learned this lesson from Yaakov. That one night of lighting the menorah is also an accomplishment. It's a mitzvah by itself. One night is not nothing. Even if the next night it will be dark. But that single night, that's a mitzvah. And it is not dimmed. The light of that one night's light will not be dimmed by the darkness of the next day. And they took Yaakov's approach and they lit the menorah with enough oil just for one night. And the miracle of one day's worth of oil lasting for eight serves as the response to this effort, to this attitude, where God says, just do a mitzvah. You may not be able to do the whole thing. You may only be able to do something partial. But I will show you, God says, that that is valuable as well. In my experience, I find many Jews label themselves. I often hear a person will say, I'm religious. I'm not religious. A person will say, I observe mitzvahs. A person will say, I do not observe mitzvahs. As if this subject is binary, all or nothing. But that's not true. Hanukkah teaches us that. And Yaakov teaches us that. Every mitzvah is beautiful and important and stands on its own. And if we can't accomplish all we would like to accomplish, that should not hold us back from whatever partial victory we are able to achieve because we should appreciate that accomplishment, even if it's singular, because that's how God looks at us. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.